0: I'm Curtis Schaefer.
1: And I'm Martine Halverson Taylor. And this is Sacred and Profane. Last week, we brought you the story of how American Buddhism broadened American principles of religious freedom, thanks largely to thousands of people of Japanese descent who were forcibly removed from their homes by the government during World War II including a Zen priest and poet named Nyogen Senzaki.
0: This week, we'll be diving into our archives to highlight some of the great documentary work by students here at the University of Virginia. And we couldn't help thinking of a piece from graduate student Megan Hartman, which also prominently features poetry that pushes boundaries, specifically the work of the poet Miraji. Miraji was the pen name of Muhammad Sonala Dar. Dar wrote striking modernist poetry in Urdu. The height of his literary career came at a time of great possibility, as India moved towards independence from the British Empire. But the years before independence also saw divisions along religious lines, particularly between the Hindu majority and the large Muslim community, grow, harden, and become more violent.
1: Which makes it all the more remarkable that while Dar was Muslim, his alter ego, Miraji, was a Hindu woman whose poetry pushed against the boundaries of religious and gender identities, as well as standard concepts of time. And it all hangs on a word. We'll let Megan take it from here.
2: Alone in a hospital room with only a book as his witness he finally got his wish he died as he had laid deteriorating his body slowly turning in on itself he would say to Akhtar Oliman, his dear friend "Ilahi, agar mere sakti to unhe de de kam god If Miraji can't have health, then give him death. At least he will be free from this suffering. So God listened to him. He died in the evening on November 3rd, 1949, in the King Edward Memorial Hospital of Mumbai. He was 37. But it is hard to be sure which suffering exactly Miraji was referring to. Was it the crippling loneliness after nearly all of his friends had abandoned him? Or was it his fellow poets kicking him out of the literary circles which Miraji had considered family? Unlike the conniptive kinship tie of his brother, who had long ago sold some of Miraji's work to serve as packaging for veggies. Or was it the tumors inflaming his body? Or was it the doctors threatening to correct him with electroshock therapy, straightening out a seemingly badgahua Shayer, a wayward poet? as one biographer later dubbed him, rather unceremoniously? Or was it amorphous frustrations that to be different, to be queer, to write startlingly new poetry in a new genre, would just land you in the pits of ridicule? Maybe all those painful questions pulsated as intensely as the tumours engulfing his body. But is the grief? this suffering? His emphasis on particularity, this, is see, a demonstrative so sure of a here and now. So completely confident in space-time, in the halo of a moment seemingly demarcating the past from the future, as if a moment were a forge between two mountains. This suffering. This. Miraji had spent a lifetime of writing Urdu poetry, crafting a new genre of long narrative poems called Nuzhams, which would unmoor our faith in a clean definition of time and space, mixing up the chain of past, present, future, unsettling any reliance on chronology, really. His nuzums would always measure our measurements of time and remind us, what is a millisecond from a cosmic perspective? What is a second to a god? What does that look like? So maybe as he withered on the hospital bed with his book and shouted out to god to be free of this suffering this actually referred to a moment which had accumulated other fossil moments buried deep with memories not only belonging to him but memories of other epochs like the time of a pre-colonial india without british oppression without british technologies of cruelty in the forms of outright massacres or more subtly suffused in the syllabi of schools Or maybe the time of Prince Siddhartha, poised to become the Buddha, which then wound up painted on the walls of the Ajanta Caves, which then trickled from the open veins of those living rocks into the eyes of Miraji standing before them. Who then wrote a poem about it? Ajanta Kihar, the caves of Ajanta. Fossilized space-time enchanted Miraji. But all of this is not to say that Miraji was an escapist or apolitical, though many of his contemporaries and biographers lobbed such insults. Miraji was much more brilliant than he received credit for. He understood that he was a creature of his social environment as much as he was an accretion of multiple time streams coalescing in his body. So as anti-colonial efforts gathered more and more steam, but began to ring in monochromatic colours, Miraji, meanwhile, was crafting his non-identity politics his slippery dance between intertemporal dimensions, first starting to the time of gods and Krishna's Brindavan, then taking a pit stop at the beginning of time. His resistance came in these subtler ways, etched into the scaffolding and themes of poems, or the resistance to succumb to simple definitions of identity. He was always pluralizing and specifying. Perhaps that is why Miraji liked small words, like isi, meaning this, or magar, meaning but, he liked small words because he saw worlds in them. Proliferating worlds saved from the brink of extinction, always a kaleidoscopic fervor. He once wrote this about a tiny little conjunction we call but. Magar. Ye magar bhi the people Age But This is a wondrous word too I understand that this word but Is a symbol of ever-expanding life Where the existence of a phrase Would begin to slip into extinction This somewhat brief word Saves the phrase from death And amplifies it His jagged ending of a life cut short is Or at least I would like to think so Is his version of a but Though he died alone, with only four people attending his funeral, his death has left him hanging in a wide open space. Not exactly a void or an abyss, but a large expanse. The types of expanse he would write about in his poems where you feel like the ecstasies of dissolving into a vital space, where breath and air start to merge. Though Miraji lies buried somewhere in Marine Line Cemetery, he still speaks through his poems and essays today. I would like to think that I can still hear your voice whenever one encounters the worlds you created in your poetry. One of your fellow writers once described your voice like this. Avaz bohot umda aur bhaari thi. Radio ramo mein bolte His voice had been rich and full of gravitas. On the radio, he often used to perform plays. And another writer friend wrote this. Meera ji, gramophone bolte you to Miraji ko guftiguka brada salikata. Miraji would speak like a gramophone. That was his flair in conversation. Miraji, your voice still echoes in every present moment. We hear you.
0: project was funded by the Religion, Race, and Democracy Lab at the University of Virginia. It was created by Megan Hartman. Ashley Duffalo is our communications manager. Our senior producer is Emily Gaddick. Kelly Jones is the lab's editor.
1: Next week, we'll be returning with a full-length episode of Sacred and Profane. Stay tuned.